1: Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwein, coming January
0: 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.
2: Hello, you're listening to Muses and Stuff. It's the podcast that's all about the dolls. They were the groupies, the wives, the girlfriends, and the muses who played such a huge role in rock and roll history by simply being
1: themselves. They were sweet, sexy, brave, and powerful. They went after what and who they wanted, and they made no apologies. I'm Shanti. And I'm Lynx. Welcome to the show. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that was so
2: awesome. That was the first time that we did it together. I think we killed it. I think we did too. <laughs> so, welcome everybody. Today on the show, we are going to be talking about Roxana Shirazi. I'm really looking forward to this. I read her book, and it's called The Last Living Slut by Roxana Shirazi, born in Iran. Bread Backstage. And it is steamy. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I can't wait to get into it and tell you about it. Before we get to that, we'll just do a few, um, you know, a few order of, of business. We just want to let you know that we have some really great guests coming up uh, on the in, in the future. So sometimes it's Lynx and I talking, and sometimes um, I'll have another guest on. And then what we're going to get into shortly is Lynx, myself, and then a guest.
1: I'm so excited for this.
2: Right. It's going to be fun. So, Lynx is going to be bringing a woman named Pleasant onto our show.
1: Yes, she is amazing. Her name's Pleasant Gaiman. Some of you might be familiar with her already. She was in uh, Pamela Debar's Let's Spend the Night Together. She has a little chapter in there. Uh, She also has her own books. Highly suggest you go out and get them. Uh, She has a website, so check her out. She has incredible stories. She was part of the L.A. punk rock scene, sort of. She was not only a proud groupie, but a musician herself. And she's also a belly dancer and a writer. And she's just, she's a fabulous woman. And I'm excited to hear in her words.
2: Oh, yeah. She's a mystic. She's mystical, and without giving too much away, mm-hmm. I just, I cannot wait to just get my hands on that <laughs> juicy, groupy brain of hers. It's going to be exciting. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode is sponsored by I'm with the band Headbands, or <laughs> I'm with the Headbands. That's not officially sponsored by them, <laughs> but I have to say, it is such a cool company. They're based out of LA. Mm. They are friends with Miss P.
1: They got a great name.
2: They've got a great name, and they've got a great product. So it's a bun- It's a couple of girls that are working that have this vision, and they make these incredible headbands and so they call them headbands and turbans and some of them are velvety i got this beautiful velvety purple one um and every time i wear it and i've and i've just gotten it and i've been wearing it people are like where'd you get that from (laughs) so not only is it great for just hanging around and Mm -hmm. like inside it's been keeping my Ears warm in the <laughs> Toronto cold and the Toronto winter, and uh, it's good for working out, whatever. And then it also comes in this beautiful packaging, like even right down to the packaging is fantastic. And their business cards are beautiful, so please go check them out. They're on Instagram. I'm with the headbands That's and. Yeah. yeah, and and not only that, it just I'm really excited to expand our group because they're they must be a part of Miss P's L.A. dolls must be, yeah. and so I'm really looking forward to like a Miss P Universal group. Yeah,
1: absolutely. There's many of us all over the world.
2: That's right. So shout out to you, beautiful, wonderful, friendly ladies. You're exactly what I want to see, and that's just strong women supporting one another and absolutely. strong people and just. But you know, like. We have this connection, and it's mm-hmm. so nice to just build one another up. I want to welcome uh, some n- new listeners. Uh, if you're just tuning now, in now, I want to say thank you, welcome. We're so happy that you're here. Absolutely. I want to give a shout-out to a guy named Tim from pennsylvania i think it is oh awesome i know i've never i've never (laughs) spoken to anybody in pennsylvania before and he came to our podcast from when i was a guest on michael butler's rock and roll geek show cool so i just want to say thank you michael for all of the new listeners and uh i'm just looking forward to sharing more and so one really nice thing tim said was that he really appreciated um me sharing my story and the story of the these women all of these beautiful groupies and one thing that i really liked that he said was keep the music loud and keep spreading the love
1: ah that's like that sort of sums up this podcast like perfectly yeah so thanks tim (laughs) he
2: gets it he gets it and then we had a listener request for drew to come back on we had done the halloween episode with elvira Mm -hmm. and the person who told me that that they would like him to come back on as a guest said that they listened to the episode twice because they liked it so much
1: drew's gotta come back so that was the first
2: (laughs) yeah that was a first of somebody telling me that they listened to an episode twice awesome so in terms of what this podcast is about, I'm, I think that the intro did a pretty good job of explaining, but essentially we are taking this word, this term, this lifestyle, this label, this way of being, of groupie, mm-hmm. and we're just having fun with it. We are just showing everybody that it's not a dirty word,
1: yeah. that it's actually something to be celebrated. Yeah, trying to bring it back to its roots, where it was a positive, almost spiritual thing. It's about music and love and sharing with one another and just all the goodness.
2: Absolutely. And then when I was kind of sitting down and thinking about where we started with the podcast, we very much started in the s- 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And when I would say we, you know, I said to Ling's before I started this, I said, when I started this podcast, I wanted it to be two of us. I wanted there to be two of us. And... um There was somebody there that was helping me at the beginning, but then they decided that they didn't want to be a voice on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And it ended up, you know, really solidifying our friendship. And this person was essential in the creation of it, but in a different way. And then you came along and it became what I had originally intended it to be Mm -hmm. and more.
1: It just feels... Like, this was meant to be. I'm so happy that I am your partner on this.
2: Yeah, that's right. So we started with the 60s and 70s. So that's like our Patty Boyds, our Pamela DeBar, our GTOs. Marianne. Yeah, right Mm -hmm. from the beginning. And then we've got our 70s and 80s. And... I was a little bit hesitant about the 80s and 80s or 90s and a little bit worried about those. So I eased into it. And it wasn't until episode 18 that we really started to come around and get into
1: those waters. Yes.
2: But we've got 70s and 80s groupies who are like Sarinda Fox, Mm -hmm. who is going to be featured on an upcoming episode soon, Nancy Spongeon. And then we have the 80s and 90s groupies. So we covered Bobby Brown, but then... It kind of seems like at the moment we'll have to do more research but you know the Pamela Anderson's oh yeah the Carmen Electras
1: mm-hmm. they were very late 80s early and mid 90s there's lots of um, actresses that are also groupies that you don't think of from back then I mean Gwyneth Paltrow Winona Ryder like these women they dated a lot of musicians
2: And this is true. And then today we're going to be getting into a 90s and 2000s groupie, which is Roxana Shirazi. And I'm sure a lot of them are going to keep popping up and Mm. we keep finding more and we keep, like we already had the, the ones that we wanted to come on and talk about immediately. And then of course we've got our Yoko Onos and our Imans. There's just an an unending
1: pot full of women that... We have plenty more to go, so keep listening. Yeah. yeah.
2: And then when I was thinking about, you know, when I started, mm-hmm. 2008, I know you started a bit earlier That's than I did. A earlier, yeah. So for me, it was like 2008 up until 2017, 2020. So, a pro- you know, like 2010 to 2020s, mm-hmm. wh- whatever, what do we call that? So it's not the 60s and 70s. What do we call us? It's the...
1: I don't want to say millennial because... No,
2: because it's that... Because the 60s and the 60s is, you know, that decade. Then we've got the 70s and the 80s. So what are we? We're the... 2000. I don't know. Can somebody tell us? We're kind of in the center. How? But essentially, after the 90s and 2000s with R- Roxana Shirazi, mm-hmm. I realized that you know the 2000s, the 2010s, the 2020s. Not that I'm saying we're 2000s to 2020. <laughs> 2020. Oh my God! No, it's like the, for me, 2010, 2020, because 2017, yeah. 2020, I'm gonna retire. Groupie <laughs> retired.
1: <laughs> sure you are. Yeah. For, yeah.
2: Exactly. And for those who are just tuning in, that's a bit of uh, running joke in this
1: podcast. (laughs) is
2: groupies in retirement so listen back for that but essentially that's us
1: absolutely and other women out there whose stories we haven't heard yet because we're we're still in the middle of our experiences. We haven't yet written our books yet. That's right. But we're out there. But we
2: can tell you from firsthand experience that we have got a group of girls, a group of dolls with their own stories. We have our own. But again, we have definitely dedicated this podcast to telling the story of the the stories of the women who already have their stories out mm-hmm. there. And uh, we do share a little bit of ourselves here and there. And if you're really listening intently, you might be able to put some things together.
1: But ultimately... This is about the muses who inspire us. That's right.
2: Okay, so we've got Roxana Shirazi. Now, I thought a, a nice way to begin her introduction would to be would would, would to read would be to read the <laughs> about the author, because with a title like "The Last Living Slut," born in Iran, bred backstage people might start a little bit of hmm-hmm-hmm in their heads. So I'm going to say this. This is what her about the author says. Roxana Shirazi was, was born in Tehran, Iran, and was sent to England at age 10. She holds a master's in English from Bath Spa University and speaks at international women's conferences on the subject of gender and identity. She currently lives, loves, and writes in London. Awesome. Yeah, and so a lot of these women, the ones that have written the books and a lot, like educated smart absolutely yeah. badass women and so because she has the word slut, slut on her in her title she at the beginning has a few words on the term slut and uh, I will read you what she says right at the beginning Sex, even though it's just a small segment of our existence, is still such a beautiful, sensual experience, and exploring one's sexuality and sexual diversity should be respected and celebrated. In this book, I am the last living slut embodying the negative meaning of the word and the first living slut embodying a new, positive, and celebrated meaning of the word. Some will say that the word slut can never be independent from social and historical meanings attached to it and will always be bound and steeped in the negative sense of the word. And thus, there should be a new word to describe a sexually active and experimental individual to detach it completely from its previous meaning. Well, maybe, but in this book at least, I have been conceited enough to give myself the authority to change the meaning of a word. Love your body, love your sexuality, and realize that you are... A bad human being only if you are unkind and cruel and do harm unto others and not because of your sex life
1: that's amazing that's so powerful and she's doing exactly what the word slut which we are doing with the word groupie.
2: exactly so a lot of similarities mm-hmm. although ironically she puts down the Groupies. word groupie so many times. of them do so many of them do So I wanted to show you this picture. I haven't showed it to you yet. I wanted to show it to you. It's a picture that she has. She's got a lot of really interesting. I'm not even going to say a word because I want to see what you come up with. I'm going to show you a picture of her and um, just like let me know. Maybe describe it. We could describe it for our (laughs) listeners. And then let me know maybe
1: what you think about it. Oh, that's sexy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well. She's got a lovely naked body <laughs> and a lovely uh, tatted up man enjoying that body. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's pretty much it. So she's just got her thigh high stockings on her. And
1: she, oh, let me just say, she's it. the one taking control here. She's got the power in this photo. Nice. Yeah. Okay, great.
2: Yeah, you can't see his face, but you can see hers.
1: Yeah. And, and she's looking at you dead in the eye saying like challenge this
2: that's it oh Oh my goodness i almost forgot um to to read you this part of the beginning please and so um who is this neil strauss and anthony baza from igniter books said this about it the last living slut is a beautiful memoir of growing up in the political turbulence of tehran an unflinching portrait of teenage cultural dislocation in london a backstage romp that makes Pamela Debars I'm with the band read like a nun's diary in comparison.
1: <laughs> is it true? <laughs>
2: um yes, I, I guess. She's guess. more
1: detailed maybe.
2: She, I mean, it, there's points where it just reads like erotic literature. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it really does. And and it gets all like I don't know if dramatic is the word, but almost oh my goodness i don't even know how to say it but it's like a whirlwind it's a whirlwind it is it, it's really not like anything that i've read before um but it it was it was outrageous
1: outrageous it's outrageous <laughs> i got to read this <laughs>
2: yeah so um i'm going to tell you yeah I'm gonna tell you about her but because I'm saying that it is outrageous it might be a good time to just go with the chapter titles so she's got some pretty incredible chapter titles and and you'll you're gonna understand what I mean when I say outrageous when I read them for you however I decided that I'm not gonna read them for you because Roxana moved to England at the age of 10, she's got an English accent. Well, I assume. I actually haven't heard her speak she yet. She probably
1: has at least some bit of English in there.
2: Roxana, please come on the podcast and, uh, let, us, and let, let us hear, us hear your accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I asked my friend Simeon, who lives in England. Um, she's in Camden Town. She was on the first episode ever of the podcast and she is a musician I'll link up her stuff uh trust me you want to know who she is uh so I asked her to read the chapter titles in her cutie cute sweetie accent and she did so I'm gonna play that for you now and I think I left out one well I think I left out one chapter title because I was like I'm not making her (laughs) say that (laughs) all right let's hear
3: Chapter 2 I was a child Basting gunfire Islamic law And sexuality Chapter 4 I found shelter in her lap And heaven in her protection Chapter 6 I soon realised That it was opium That was the love Of my father's life And that gradually He'd become bored of me Chapter 10 The rush of hot Burning sensations Swooshes in my tummy And I feel like a bad girl I am a bad girl Chapter 13 I decided that I would try it with two boys, while in the next room, war songs blared out from the television. Chapter 23. I had never done it with a boy, just a 15-year-old schoolgirl. Chapter 27. Roadies. I lost my head in their laps. Chapter 30. I straddled him right there and then, in the middle of the night, amid the thicket and the flowers. Chapter 35. I remind myself that I was here in a groupie capacity, not to have a fucking romantic time. Chapter 37. Sinister Gates from Avenged Sevenfold unleashed his hot pee all over my breasts in the moonlight.
1: Wow. <laughs> some of those are, like, beautifully poetic, and then some are, like, hilarious. She seems to have uh, humor about it. That is exactly
2: this book so i it's exactly this book it is so poetic at at, at in places and then it turns in on itself <laughs> complete com, becomes something completely different yeah and almost the opposite of that and i think you're right and i think maybe i didn't pick up on her sense of humor right away. But I think that you picked up on something there, maybe with Simeon having read it. Thanks, Mm -hmm. Sim, by the way. Thanks, babe. (laughs) And um, I think you're right. And if I were to read it again, I might go in with maybe that little bit of a A lighter. Yeah, a lighter, because a lot of the times too, like she gets very serious at points and Mm -hmm. it does get very serious. But so let's just talk about, um, yeah, our Roxana a little bit. So she was born in, it was either 1978 or 79. In a military hospital in Tehran. Uh, Her mother was a political activist and her father was pretty absent. And as you heard from the chapter titles, addicted to opium. Which apparently a lot of men were Mm -hmm. at that time. So there was very little social and political freedom, as you can imagine. And she said that during Iran's revolution and subsequent war with Iraq, She remained, and these are her words now, basked in pure love and happiness during the terror of revolutionary gunfire, Islamic law, and her initiation into sexuality. So she came to sexuality very young, um, which I'll just get into a moment. But along with her very early awakening into sexuality, she said that she led a fairy tale existence so she would talk about the blazing hot summer nights sleeping outside under the stars with her mom and her grandma using you know de- describing the colors the electric turquoise and she describes her grandmother as a goddess um which is very similar to what Catherine James had with her goddess mm-hmm. and having these mothers or grandmothers as these angelic goddess like Priestess women, and then often having an absentee father, father or parent. Yeah, and then we also, in terms of that absentee kind of father, another example of that is with Pamela Debar. She loved, loves, loved her daddy OJ, mm-hmm. and always maintained that he was a very good father. But he was absent in the sense of his work took him away. So he would come back to town, and then he'd leave, and he'd come back to town. And it was like, he was a rock star.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. true. Oh, yeah.
2: So there's that similar similarity and then I thought to myself, my goodness. My dad worked in the mines. Mm-hmm. So until I was 5 years old, my dad was gone and he'd come back and he'd leave and he'd come back and he'd come back and then we'd do all these great things with him. So when he was gone, you know, my mom couldn't even eat when he was gone. <sighs> She missed him so much, and then he'd come back, and then we'd Life have all of these, yeah, yeah. And mom would be happy, and we would t- be doing all of these fun activities. So it's like good time, guy. Like, yeah. and then you and can then start they're... to draw some
1: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, some
2: parallels there. Um. So yeah, the grand- her grandmother opened up her home to everyone. Her mother was uh, had a psych degree and taught literature. So i really enjoyed th- i i really enjoyed this book and the first half interestingly enough i think her account of her childhood was probably one of my favorite parts you you would think that it would be okay well what about the bands what yeah. about the musicians but really i loved how she described the sensuality of her childhood
1: um yeah she's got a very unique uh upbringing not oh. the one that matches any other groupie, at least. No, not that.
2: No, not that I've come across yeah. <laughs> so far. So her dad was in and out, and when he sometimes he showed up, sometimes he wouldn't. And when he did, she always wanted to look nice and impress him.
1: Of course.
2: Um, so getting back to that early sexuality bit, she masturbated for the to- first time when she was five, and she masturbated to men in uniform who were around all of the time. <laughs> So very early on, she started to associate these feelings with almost being scared because Mm. she was scared of them, but they gave her a rush. Yeah. And she describes this beautiful, scary moment when she was in her kitchen and she'd lift up the cellar door and she'd crawl down the stairs alone and then all of a sudden she's below the house and it's dark and it's scary and she said that the rush that she felt in those first few moments it was almost like she had been she would chase that ah, for her life yeah, yeah, yeah. which then makes sense to
1: bring it into the rock and roll scene
2: absolutely so she had male cousins and you know boy neighbors and she really brought a lot of them into their sexual awakening because she came to it so soon so she would describe things like sitting on the step having two boys she would tell two boys to tie her shoe and then she would slowly bring you know her skirt up to (laughs) show her thigh and she felt like a queen with these boys at her feet and then she realized that so she was probably about eight years old at this point that she had a power over boys and she liked it of course (laughs) now there are some uh, accounts of her molestation okay which i'll leave to the readers and i'll leave uh that to them however i have never read any kind of book that have a that has approached it in that man in that manner and I thought that the way that she approached it was fabulous
1: oh man I'm excited to read this
2: I can't wait to hear what
1: you yeah think about it
2: so we Lynx <laughs> and I have just been trading books now back yeah, and forth constantly. <laughs> so by the when she turned 10 years old her mother sent Roxana and Roxana's grandmother to England to go and live with some family because they needed the, she, the mother wanted to get some of them out at, at least so that they could join them eventually because of things that were happening yeah so she said so she didn't want to leave she loved where she was and she described England as cold mm. colorless she didn't speak the language wow that's rough she faced a lot of racism mm-hmm. and her grandmother got sick and died within nine months of being in England with her.
1: That's brutal.
2: Yeah. She had her first orgasm at the age of 11.
1: Not surprising. And that
2: was (laughs) the chapter title that I did not make Simeon read. (laughs) So, um, shortly around that, or shortly, but around that time, her mother then moved in, moved to England, and then, um, she had a stepfather who ended up being abusive towards her, uh, just physically, and, uh, just, and then a younger brother as well. Okay. So, when she was 16 years old, she entered a talent show, and, uh, I got to read it. It's hilarious. (laughs) At 16, I entered my first talent competition, which was held at a nearby church. For days before the event, I practiced my dance moves and sang lyrics over an instrumental backing track. On the evening of the competition, I wore a white lacy see-through top with a leather mini skirt and fishnet (laughs) tights. Then I covered my head and body in a traditional Islamic hijab so the audience would assume I was going to perform a sweet Iranian folk song. Iranian folk song? Just before going on stage, I removed the hijab to reveal my slutty outfit and did my number. (laughs) The audience sat frozen, (laughs) unsure how to react. When the song and dance routine ended, the stunned vicar managed to choke out, Thank you for that. (laughs) I left the stage, happy that I'd managed to sing and dance so well without losing my breath.
1: (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Taking her power onto the stage. (laughs) And
2: you nailed it. So,
1: you intuitively
2: picked up on... She turns 17 and she starts dancing exotically. So she was dancing in Soho and she loved it mm-hmm. because it was the opposite of what she was getting at home, which was either she was ignored or she was abused.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So and then every time she'd get up on stage, before she'd get up on stage, she'd look at pictures of Axel Rose together in the <laughs> mood.
1: Well, Axel was once beautiful. <laughs>
2: A long, long time ago <laughs> what what year was that that you was his prime beauty
1: oh God, like early early nineties ninety one maybe nine eighty nine ninety
2: another thing about like she would have certain certain musicians that would like send her into a frenzy there's parts in the books where she would mention and then jim morrison or the doors came on and then all of a sudden it was just like for her that was like panty dropper yeah so it didn't matter where she was <laughs> if she was in somebody's dressing room and the doors comes on she's up top is off and she's making out with her friend amazing like every time
1: well jim will do that
2: yeah yeah <laughs> Um <laughs> oh, yes, he will <laughs> and oh, uh, yeah, so she at this point, she still hadn't had consensual sex mm-hmm. with a man or with a boy her own age. She was only having sex with girls around her own age, which again, if you can remember Simeon's um I, readings. I, I, I remember <laughs> uh, so she was very open about her bisexuality and uh. It was around this time that she started to go see live bands and she started to go see music. She, so she was taken to a concert and... This is in, like mid-90s? Okay, so she was born in 79 and then so she must have been... Yeah, the like, yeah, late
0: 90s? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. yeah. So she went and saw a band and wouldn't you know it, she ended up having sex with a musician. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So she had a best friend named Lori and they had sex as well and that was like her partner in crime for shows.
1: Awesome. You got to have a partner in crime. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, many. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny because
2: I've over the years the partners in crime have changed. Me too. There's been times where I've gone out to a show and then by myself and then at the end you of leave the with night. One? Well, at the end of the night, I remember one time specifically, the entire band from Texas, mm-hmm. I'd given them a place to crash up in the dojo
1: mm-hmm. that I was, like, renting beside. So, you know, I would go out by myself, too. And I, I used to do the same. I never knew anyone in the music scene until I started going out on my own and putting myself out there and meeting people.
2: Yeah, when just going back to the Rock and Roll Geek Show, one of the questions was, so do you and your girlfriends, like, go out specifically to um like meet bands and it's I said I think I said yes but more so it's like not really no you like, go to like
1: what happens happens yeah and... it's more it's more organic than that absolutely. I mean sometimes there's a band that of course you want to meet and you hope it'll happen but it's, it's not like that's that's the only goal of the night the goal of the night is always just to have fun and if that happens like awesome <laughs> absolutely
2: so It's nice to have that buddy, and it's always nice to go with one person. And I always think it's like the more the merrier too. Absolutely, like the more, the more girls you've got, then, then the better. So, I went first when then she started going to shows. She said at first it was like a lot of Motley Crue wannabes. So she explains really the progression of the types or caliber or level or fame mm-hmm. and then how she ultimately ended up with somebody in guns and roses and hanging out with tommy lee so going from the motley crew wannabes to motley crew <laughs> sorry right so that's pretty interesting how that happened um, she does, she does have a lot of negative things to say about girls at that time who either were trying to flatter her so that they could get closer to the bands by getting through her. Because a lot of times barriers between yeah, uh, barriers to bands can be either other women or other groupies or managers and like mm-hmm. female managers. So she explores a bit of that dark side of music, of groupiedom.
3: Mm hmm of those kinds of
2: things so her and her friend laurie they had no qualms about sucking dick to get backstage and i say that with you know like respect to her
1: yeah if that's what you want to do
2: because i might have gone in and been reading her book with the judgmental attitude that somebody might have been having towards pamela debar so i had to make sure to check myself and go mm-hmm whatever it is their
1: decision it's not yours
2: exactly and if anything for a little while i think it gave her and her friend a thrill because Mm.
1: you know if you're doing something naughty
2: yeah the exactly and she liked being naughty yeah she liked being a bad girl and so when the security guard said well yeah i'll give you backstage passes but you have to get down on your knees she said no Lori and i (laughs) are gonna
1: get down on our knees this is also interesting because I think it also a lot of this kind of stuff that people hear about it depends on the type of bands because I've never experienced ever where a roadie has propositioned me like that or been like a gatekeeper or
3: Mm
1: -hmm. um, and I've never seen it happen to other women either but nope. you hear a lot about it with sort of like the hair metal bands. That yeah. seems to be like their type of thing. I and maybe I'm wrong. I, it's, I'm not saying it's solely theirs, but
2: I'm gonna agree with you. And I think that's uh, maybe. And I don't want to blame the 80s and the 90s. Like I'm not here to blame. We're just here to explore. Yeah, to try to figure. It some seems things to out. have
1: like started. In but that. that's
2: why I was hesitant to start there or mm-hmm. go there quickly because I didn't have a lot to say that was positive and I wanna keep and we've we wanna keep this positive and we wanna keep it anti slut shaming and we want all that good stuff. Absolutely. But you know what? The mark of a good groupie is somebody who is friends with the roadies, Mm -hmm. who calls the doormen by name. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm going I'm gonna be seeing and hanging out with my roadie friend who's traveling around, who'll be in Toronto in a few weeks. Yeah,
1: and and that and that's also a good example of like A groupie is not there just to sleep with a rock star like you are part of the whole it's like a family back there Mm -hmm. and especially if you are like touring with a band or whatever you like it it isn't about the the lead singer you know it's it's the whole atmosphere like you're friends with
2: everyone exactly Oh, yeah, and so and speaking of yeah, going on tour, you know she has a lot of really kinky and you know bust tour bus stories so she's got some pretty funny ones of you know those little beds on the tour bus and things like that Mm -hmm. and then she gets into the negative side with the drugs and the alcohol so she'll say you know her there was a time where she got a phone call being like you need to come take care of your friend because she's gonna get hurt Mm -hmm. and then so she opened up the hotel room and there's lori in nothing but cowboy boots walking down the hallway of the hotel Totally spaced out with God knows what in her hair. Oh God. Okay, so she gets into
1: that stuff as well. Yeah, and That's she... why it's good to have a friend, have a partner looking well, after you. Oh,
2: totally. And so she talks about the the guys. She has pictures of her and the bands, the guys that she went on tour with, and to yeah, they did on... like a whole
1: photo shoot with that one you showed me
2: yeah exactly so I wrote out a list of some of the names of these guys that she mentions cool because again I think outrageous mm-hmm. is gonna be the word and then some of the names of the bands so here are the names Duff oh yeah Jizzy Pearl <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: the Rev oh. Dirk are these well I know Duff but are the rest of them names that like she gave them no <laughs> snell
2: oh. Stoxy. <laughs> mad pete oh we all know a mad pete zach with two k's <laughs> actually i think mad pete was the one who wasn't in a band he just followed <laughs> he them just around crazy. everywhere yeah. <laughs> yeah we all know a mad pete <laughs> and sinister gates Okay, and then some of the bands were named Towers of London, mm-hmm. Kid Ego, Brides of Destruction, and Avenged Sevenfold.
1: I know Avenged Sevenfold. That's the only one I can uh, from the earlier uh, <laughs> comment about <laughs> Hot Piss. <laughs> Whatever it was. <laughs> Do you know them from then? No. From like somewhere? I remember. I remember them around. <laughs> I. <laughs> That just triggered my memory, like, oh, yeah, I've, I've heard about them.
2: Oh, yeah. That so, must have
1: been an interesting chapter.
2: You'll find out for yourself when you yeah. read this book. <laughs> um, so one major thing that she kept coming back to in this book was that the major rule of grouping was to never
1: fall in love because that's where everything falls apart. It's it's an interesting uh truth, I would say. I mean, almost all the women that we've d- discussed so far, the ones that have gotten married are divorced and didn't always end you know, in a positive way for them.
2: You know what I, I hadn't read Bobby Brown's book or listened. I'd listened to it, but I hadn't listened to it before mm-hmm. Andrea was on. So Andrew told me about it. And in a way I wish I would have, because I would have, I really wanted, I really, I was so bummed out that... The cherry pie guy, the guy from Warrant, yeah. he pursued her so much. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. so romantic. I'm the cherry pie guy. You're my cherry pie girl. She's... I'm going to marry her. Yeah. He was after her. He was after her. He pursued her. And then once they were together, he turned into a
1: jealous, yep, abusive yep. asshole. And the fairy tale was over. Mm-hmm. And that's the same for so many people. We're going to be doing Serinda soon, and you'll hear about her story as well. And yeah. Um, and you know what? The one in, in my
2: now ten, almost 10 years mm-hmm. of officially being an active groupie, I mean, I I love a lot of people, and I have a lot of loves, mm-hmm. but I was really in love with somebody and he broke my heart. And out of all of the musicians and out of all of those guys that have come in and out, mm-hmm. some of them, I'm not with them, most of them, I'm not with them in a romantic capacity anymore. Yeah. But there's still so much respect. Absolutely. And we still, like, we're friends. Absolutely. We catch up. And the one where there was the big complicated
1: love, mm-hmm. We don't speak. No, I have a similar story. Absolutely. And that's the thing, too. I think a lot of people think either groupies are in it either just for like a one night stand or you just want to marry like a rich rock star. And marriage has like never been a goal of mine with a rock star. Like, again, reading these books, that does not sound like a, like a happy household life that I would want to live. I enjoy having fun and you know, going out and dancing and music and just it, having a good time. And the wife of a rock star no longer lives that life. Right. And I was going to say, because you're going to say the
2: wife of a, lot, of a rock star. And I'm mm-hmm. like, unless you're Gail Zappa, <laughs>
1: That's who true. I'm
2: going to be talking about next week. Yeah, Gail there Zappa's are always next
1: week. Uh, diamonds in the rough. Uh, good men uh, out there who... Are who they are. And
2: I'm actually going to be talking to one. I'm talking to a husband next week awesome. who is a musician who's been one for a long time, who I've known for almost 10 years. And I'm telling him the story of Gail. So it's going to be perfect. Perfect. So I'll read you. I'm going to read you two more things. Awesome. And um, then that's it for our girl Roxanna. So this is what she says about love and rock and roll. I had once thought of the world of rock and roll as a wondrous place full of free love and free spirits but it wasn't. It wasn't the sex that had led me to this place. It was the love. And in rock and roll, love is a dirty, dirty world. Word. Sorry. (laughs) Perhaps the backstage world was actually too conservative and limiting for my wild spirit. Rock and roll had sold itself as a utopian playground, but as a groupie, I wasn't allowed to be as wild as I wanted to be. What was required of me was just a mere fraction of who I was. I wanted free love, creativity, an abundance of sex and poetry, broken taboos. I wanted to be taken places that I'd never gone before. I wanted that thrill I'd felt climbing down into my grandmother's cellar all those years ago. Wow. it's powerful. Yeah, it is. And then I'll just finish with this one thing that she says. hmm and uh, then we'll rock and roll on Eddie here. Hmm. La la la. Okay. I have walked past one cliche after another fists through windows, trashed rooms, girls patiently lined up outside a lead singer's door, random people being hit and cut, tour managers losing it because of lack of sleep, roadies going out in the middle of the night to find snacks or KY jelly. False promises, moans and groans, and lost property, including girls' dignity. But I've always managed to come out of it with inner thighs aching and soul flying.
1: Fabulous. Fabulous. Oh, thank
2: you. Thank you very much. Yeah.
1: I gotta read this.
2: Yeah. So, Roxanna, if you're listening...
3: We I love think you, you are <laughs> we do
2: love you thank you for telling your story absolutely. and we hope that we well we couldn't have done you justice only you can so we recommend that everybody picks up uh, The Last Living Slut Born in Iran Bred Backstage by Roxana Shirazi mm-hmm. absolutely alright that's it for this week everybody you can find me Shanti um, on Instagram but you know what You can also find links there too, because there's pictures of links and there's (laughs) pictures uh, of girls. You can find us on Instagram at Muses and Stuff Podcast, as well as on Facebook. Um, Just Muses and Stuff Podcast. Again, please please take the time to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. And then that way we can help our other groupie brothers and sisters um, hear these stories as well. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye.
1: Bye. Hello, dear stranger. I'd like to introduce you to something new. Or perhaps something very, very old. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine is a horror fantasy medical mystery following the titular monk turned traveling medical investigator. Follow Radolf as he navigates a nightmare world in which viruses are God's and the human race, are not their favorite children. Steeped in history and an aesthetic that can only be described as a combination of occult academia and laboratory Judaica, the heresies of Rudolf Wine have been described as Umberto Eco meets H.P. Lovecraft. For more information, check out the Patreon at thorb.info. But take care, dear stranger, for some truths are best left unknown.